Worship happens seven days a week, right? We know that, right? It's not limited to this room, not limited to this day. Worship happens all the time. Um, and, and, and usually that's a good thing. Among Christians, that's a, that's a pretty good thing. But it's worth, I, it's worth me even interrupting this announcement to say um, that we can, like seven days a week, worship the wrong things because we have a tendency in our humanity to, to try to worship things that are not worthy. But, but apart from that, uh, worship, worship's happening in, in great ways um, in the church. And on Sunday mornings, uh, worship is happening in this room, but but as I've thought about it, and, and we were talking this week about Vacation Bible School coming up, and then about and then about the nursery that's happening every week. I, as I thought about it, I was like, you know, some of the most pure worship happening at this very hour is not in this room, but it's but it's right back in the corner of the building where those children are. I I, I, go, I go by and I'll get water in the morning. Um, when I'm going from one service to the other and the kids are in there and I'll, I'll go and stick my heads in there and you have literally the little faces of God and volunteers that are caring for them and it's the worship of God when we are, when we are loving the very substance and stuff of God in these little children and they're, they're these little children and they get bigger and they're bigger and they're bigger and then at some point it's just harder to see the faces of God at a, at a, at a, at a, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, so... So we celebrated that last week with Youth Sunday. But, um, uh, but I mean, I, I say all this because um, I'm, I'm so humbled and, and thankful that, that, our, uh, that our church happens because of volunteers that are giving of their time. And those nursery workers, I mean, they give like one hour a month and they are doing some of the most pure work that we do. Um, and, it, and it's awesome. So I'm, I'm thankful for them. Uh, let's start with a prayer. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. We pray. Amen. And amen. My, uh, I, I had a picture of my, my grandfather, I guess, uh, the other day on the bulletin, but my, but my, my grandmother, I, I, might, I should talk about her more. She, uh, she was awesome. She, she, uh, she was in church all her life, grew up in the Methodist church in, in Bainbridge, married, had the unfortunate, um, uh, you know, unfortunate choice of, of, you know, of, of God and fate to marry a Methodist preacher. So she couldn't even get out of it uh, like that. And, and then, uh, and, and then just, just in the church and love the church. And, and then after my grandfather passed away in 2006, she lived seven and a half more years and, uh, was still active in the church. And, and, and of those seven and a half years, they were, they were really good and wonderful. The first couple, she completely thrived in every way. And then even after that, she, she did really well. But what we began to notice after a couple of years, and this is a story that many of you can relate to, is that, um, is that my grandmother's memory began to slip. And uh, it, was, it was probably 2008, late 2008 and uh and and we'd noticed that um that she wasn't interested in the current events of the world or that she had been she was so smart and and uh, and we definitely noticed that she would ask the same question 
and then the same question, and then that occasionally she'd tell the same story about the day before, and, and you could, you, you know, um, but she still did really well. And, and one of, if I could say it, just two things about it, is that we were so blessed as a family because while she was living with this memory loss that became Alzheimer's, and, um, and she passed away in 2014 from that, uh, she was happy and, and filled with joy every single day of those of those four or five years that she lived with it except for just about two weeks and that was early on in the middle of it when um when when my mom and and her siblings took away my grandmother's car um she didn't like that at all so for about two weeks she wasn't happy and filled with joy and then and then something miraculous happened um after about two weeks she forgot that she had a car and um and I don't tell that as a joke. It's like real. Like, like she forgot she had a car and she was back to being happy again. But I say all of this to introduce this truth. And that is one of the great blessings along, along with, with my boys getting to spend time with her and to know her. And, and, uh, and even if it wasn't the fullness of who she was, it's, you know, still getting to know her and, and, uh, and, and connect with her. Is that every time I visited her, she knew who I was which is a big deal, right? And you guys can relate to this. Every, every time I visit her, except I think the last time, but before that, every time I visited her, she knew who I was. And she would call me by name and she would ask how the boys were doing if they weren't there or she would you know, call them by name and she'd talk to them and she'd tell us the same stories and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was, but it was, but I, I say this because the way the world is supposed to work, and it doesn't always work this way, but the way the world's supposed to work is that grandparents are supposed to know their grandkids in the same way that moms and dads are supposed to know their kids. I mean, we're supposed to know each other and recognize each other, and that's the way it's supposed to work. And so that's why, that's why, like, you know, that's why these illnesses are so devastating is because it takes away from us this thing that we fundamentally crave and want and need, and that is to be recognized by each other. Family should know family. And again, and, and I, was, I was blessed. I, I think that last time, I, was, I wasn't sure, and I, and I wasn't going to push her. She was, she was starting not to do as well, and, uh, and, I, and I wasn't going to push it, and so I, so I, I, I was never going to ask. But she looked at me. She had a glint in her eye like, like she almost did, you know. But it's, it's just tough. Family is supposed to know, and, and when it comes to family, how do we define family? I, and I've, I've, I've put a little thought into this. I don't think family is defined by shared DNA. I, I don't, I don't. And I don't even think, I'm going to go a step further. I don't even think family is defined by, by having a shared name right like I, I, you can be family and not have the same you know blood genetics dna i mean you can be family and not have the same last name you can be you can be family and not even look like each other amen right but but i think family is defined by by having shared experiences right like that's what defines what it means to be family and so that's why that's why it's so it's so tough that, that if, you've, if you've shared these experiences together, to have family not recognize family is, I think, what just, just mm, makes it so difficult. Imagine, imagine, and, and some of you don't have to imagine because you've lived through it, imagine the emotions connected when, when one family member doesn't recognize another one. 
And yet, and yet they have all this shared experience and history together. Which is, which is where the scriptures pick up this week. We were, um, we were blessed last week to have uh, Taylor Way preach in the 8.30 service. She was awesome. Charity preached at the 9 and 11. Um, uh, if, those, if you miss them, you need to go find them on our church's website. And, um, and we've, I think we have a Bonaire podcast on places that you get podcasts as well. But this morning we pick up in the very next passage, the very next verse after they left off. They were telling us about Jesus picking the 12 disciples. And the next verse is in Mark chapter 3. And it's verse... Uh, verse 20. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and Taylor, I'll tell you ahead of time, um, I don't think you can fix this between now and then, but I, I think I left out Mark 3.30. So in a second, if I start talking, and I'm not talking about the Bible, could you, you could go find 3.30 and stick it in between. Um, I don't know why I did that, but, you know, um, Georgia Tech, not good with math, something like that. So this is, the, uh, this is the Word of God this morning um, as we continue to encounter Jesus in Mark and Mark's Gospel. It says, Jesus entered a house. A crowd gathered again so that it was impossible for him and his followers even to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they came to <laughs> take control of him. They were saying he's out of his mind. Now, now, what Mark does here, just for, for, to, to pause, and if you, I'll, I'll pause and talk for one second if you want to go do that. Um, what Mark does here is that, is that he takes a story that he starts, which is Jesus' family having concerns about Jesus and, and them traveling over, presumably from Nazareth, where he grew up, over to Capernaum, where he was making his home base. Now, he didn't own any property. He didn't own a house, but he made a home base. We, we, from the scriptures, we have this sense, especially Mark chapter 1, that he made his home base in, uh, in Peter's house in Capernaum. So the, the, so the family's making the trip over, and, and, and Jesus is about to tell us a story about, 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 this, about this disconnect between, between Jesus' family and, 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 and Jesus himself. And then Mark does this Markin thing in which he interrupts his own story to tell a different story, right? So he starts these two verses with a story about the family, and then the very next verse is a story about a different controversy and a different lack of recognition. It says this in the very next verse, uh, verse 22. It says, the legal experts came down from Jerusalem. So you've got the family coming over from Nazareth. You've got the, um, you got the, uh, uh, the, the legal experts coming uh, from the south to the north from Jerusalem. Over and over, they were charging Jesus, saying, he's possessed by Beelzebul. He throws out demons with the authority of the ruler of demons. Now, when Jesus called them together, he spoke to them in a parable. How can Satan throw Satan out? A kingdom involved in a civil war will collapse, and a house torn apart by divisions will collapse. If Satan rebels against himself and is divided, then he can't endure. He's done for. No one gets into the house of a strong person and steals anything without first tying up the strong person. Only then can the house be burglarized. I assure you that human beings will be forgiven for everything, for all sins and insults of every kind, but whoever insults the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. That person is guilty of a sin with consequences that last forever. And then verse 30 
says, he said this because the legal experts were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Now, here, here's, what's, here's what's fascinating about this passage, and we'll, we're going to continue to pick up in the Bible in a second, but, but notice that the Pharisees do not deny, they do not deny that Jesus is doing miracles. At no point do they say, oh, that's hocus-pocus magic. He didn't really actually heal that blind man. He didn't really actually make that lame man to walk again. He didn't really actually like, like eliminate leprosy that we could see in one moment and now can't see. They're not denying he did that. What they're, what they're saying is, oh, he's doing it, but he's doing it because it's the devil working in him. And, and his response is to give this like, this like, it feels to me like this Old Testament like wisdom kind of saying, where like like a proverb, I guess what I'm thinking, you know, like or like something from from the from the Old Testament like wisdom tradition, where he's like, a house cannot stand if it's divided against itself. And then in the very next verse, he says, Let me tell you about the one thing that you cannot be forgiven for. And I want to tell you about the one thing that you cannot be forgiven for in about three minutes. But I want to finish the Bible story first. We're going to get back to it because it's a big deal. But I want to finish the Bible story first. It says in the very next verse, his, mother's and bro- his, mother, excuse me, his mother and brothers arrived. They stood outside and sent word to him, calling for him. A crowd was seated around him, and those sent to him said, look, Your mother, brothers, and sisters are outside looking for you. Again, they can't get in because of the crowds, because of what everybody in the public and the common folks around the region have heard Jesus was doing, and so they're just pressing in and pressing in. Earlier it says that they can't even eat. I mean, like, imagine the crowd being so much that you can't even get the, you know, the fork from the plate to your mouth because there's people on top of you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Looking around at those seated around him in a circle, he said, look, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. This is the word of God for we the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. So so to recap, Mark opens his story with with the family thinking that he's lost his mind. He's a lunatic. And then then Mark interrupts the story to to insert that there's this ongoing controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees because the Pharisees now think that the power that he's using to heal everybody is, uh, is demonic power. And Jesus resolves the whole story by by introducing a new category of family altogether, saying, I'm a part of the family of God. And that isn't based on, on, on DNA or name or ancestry. That's based on actions that are of God. That's what he says. To be a part of the family of God is to do the will and the work of God. (laughs) 
I mean, again, what makes us family other than shared experiences and work together? And, and, and so, so I, think it's not a, I don't think it's a far jump to say that, that if we are family together, we should be able to recognize each other, right? If we're family together, I should be able to see what you're doing and say, yeah, that's of the family business, right? And you should be able to look at me and say, yeah, that's, that's right and that's good. And the problem is that Jesus presumably is in the same family as these Pharisees worshiping the one true God, and yet they keep looking at Jesus and saying, what you're doing is wrong. And worse, what you're doing is being powered by hell. And it's here that Jesus tells us the story about the house divided and then begins to apply it with this, this for 2,000 years, giant topic. What is the unpardonable sin? And I, and I say it is because, but, because truly, since the first time he uttered it, people have been asking the question, what did he mean by it? For 2,000 years, what did he mean by it? What, what, what did Jesus mean when he said that you can be forgiven for everything except for one thing? And, and the truth is, unfortunately, for a lot of the 2,000 years, we, we, in the church, me and you in the church, and, 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 and our ancestors and everybody that from, from, from Jesus up to today have have either suffered or, or brought about suffering to each other by misinterpreting what Jesus said about it. And, and, to, me, and to me, the one that jumps out the, the greatest is, is, that, is that somewhere, and I haven't gone back and looked it up, but, but somewhere it was connected historically that what Jesus meant when he said that is he meant suicide. Historically, and many of you know this, many, many, you know, because we talk about this, is that is that, is that, that, that is connected with it. But, but let me say this clearly. That's not it. I mean, the, 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 the church, the scholars, and the saints have, 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 have clearly said that's not what Jesus is talking about and yet and yet and yet the world out there this you know this the, the world out there says oh yeah that's that's probably it and then and then other people then other people think it's something else and there have been there have been Christians who have wrestled with this and wondered and worried about their own state of salvation asking themselves did did I once commit the unpardonable sin and even though i've tried to live a good life and 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 even though i've actually believed in jesus and professed his name i'm going to be excluded from heaven because of something that i didn't even know i was doing when i was doing it. i mean yeah. the scripture answers the question what is the unpardonable sin and and it does it directly it's, it's, 
It's, it's not a thing that we, we somehow could have done in our youth and our ignorance and forgotten about. It's, 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 it's absolutely not the way we, the way we leave this earth. It's, it's nothing like that. Jesus says here that to commit the unpardonable sin is to see the work of God happening and to call it the work of hell. One more time, Taylor, that, that verse you looked up for me. Mark 3.30. Immediately after Jesus says that there is one sin that's unpardonable, the very next verse, he said this. What's this? He's talking about the unpardonable sin. Because the legal experts were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. I've, I've come to believe that our ability to recognize each other is directly related to our ability to remember things. That, that our memory is connected to our ability in the present. Our memory of the past is a, it's connected to our ability in the present to recognize things. Memory is such a big deal. In the, in the scriptures, and I think I've used this before, in the scriptures, the words, the, the, the Hebrew words and the Greek words that, um, that are translated into English as either remember, remembered, remembering, or remembrance, those four sort of very, very similar words, those words appear 330 times from Genesis like chapter 2 to the beginning of Revelation, from the, from the first book to the last book, 330 times. And if you do the math, they appear on average more frequently than once every four chapters. So, so again, if you, if you were to take four chapters or eight chapters, right? You know, if you were to take four chapters anywhere, there's a good chance statistically that you're going to come across the word remember, the concept of rem remembering, because in the scriptures, to be in the family of God is to do the work of God, Jesus says, and to be able to recognize the work of God is our ability to remember what God has promised and what God has doing in the past so that we can recognize it in the present. And Jesus says that when you see the work of God happening and you instead accuse it of being something else, be careful, right? Be careful. And, and, and I struggle with this. I, I struggle with this. I think we all do. Let me ask this question. How many people in here, how many people in here have at some point in their life done the right thing, the right thing, and had someone else allege that what they were doing was the wrong thing? I see you. See, you don't even have to raise your hand. I see you. You are raising your hand. I, I, I see you people. How many people in here have done the wrong thing and had someone else allege that it was, excuse me, I said that wrong, have done the right thing and have had people allege that it was the wrong thing?
And, 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 then, and then this is where, this is where it hurts. Um, right there on the toe level, how many times have we done that to others? Right? I, 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 don't even, I don't even have time to tell you my own personal stories. You ready for this? In the last eight days. In the last eight days. Eight days ago, in a text thread, I had someone accuse me of having a demon. They actually meant it, right? It wasn't any of you. Okay, actually it was. It was um, you on the third row there. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't. it wasn't. It wasn't anybody in the church. That was, that was really funny. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't. It wasn't anybody in the church. And the, and the thing is, it's someone that I, I absolutely love. And it was a text thread and all this kind of stuff. And it's all this stuff happening to the church and way out there and, you know, in the level. And, and everybody's, oh, man, it's so tough. It's so tough. And, and, uh, and, and they were like, well, you know, uh, all these people that are trying to do this, you know, what are they, they, maybe they have some kind of demon. Maybe that's what's driving them. And I was like, hold on, I'm actually that person, right? You know, I'm actually that person. So I haven't responded to your text messages, but when you call me a demon, I'm going to respond, you know? And I just like, I, I, I don't think that's what's going on. And they immediately were like, I didn't mean it that way, and I was like, we're good. I love you. You're fine. We fixed it. Like, in 60 seconds, we fixed it, right? But, but it's happening. And, and, and so that, 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 that's the one side of it. And then fast forward to four days later, I'm, I'm going to be going to a meeting. And I don't, I don't think everybody in the room can relate to this, but, but I, I, have a, I have a personality characteristic, and maybe some of you do too, that, um, that when I'm going to a place, you know, or, or anticipating seeing someone, I begin in my head to have conversations before I get there. Maybe anybody in the room do this? Yeah? And I, and I begin to, some of you are looking at me like, what? You talk to yourself in your head? And I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, uh, it's really busy up here. And so before these meetings that are happening on like on Wednesday of this past week, uh, there's this one person that's going to be there who I really genuinely love and respect and i know they're a child of god and yet like we're we're like we're like this far apart on, on a certain topic we're like this far apart and they wanted to go a certain way and i want to go a different way and something like that and i i start i start having these conversations with this person in my head and i'm telling you what, I, I had like two or three of them the conversation and every one of them i totally took that person down i mean i I mean, I used evidence, and I used stuff from their own life, and I was quoting scripture. I mean, like, it was awesome. I mean, like, I had people cheering in my own mind, right? I'm actually not kidding. Like, this is, you with me? Some of you are with me. And at the same time that I'm, that I'm having these conversations in my head, about, about how I want a thing to go, and really, if I'm, if I'm being honest, how I want people to see me, right? And I'm having these conversations in my head, right? At the same time, I had been that morning praying, God, for this meeting, I can't go in there like this, like, like this with my heart, right? I, I can't. So, God, if you would give me a word that I could just hold on to so I would not be a big old jerk, Right? And then the first word was like kindness. Well, that's a good word. At one point I was like, what about, what, about, what about not just one word, God? I maybe need, maybe I need the whole fruit of the Spirit, right? And, 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 I, and it, didn't, it didn't click. That wasn't, I mean, God didn't say, that's it. Um, I, I, I came back to peace. I was like, what did just walk in there with peace? And, 
And, and that wasn't the word. Now, all these things are biblical, and these are all, but this is not the word. And then at the end of, like, at the end of all this like half hour, hour or more of wrestling, the word was beloved. And that's one of my favorite words. But God, God said that you don't need to walk in there being, remembering that you're God's beloved. Because you got that. What do I need to do? I need to walk in there remembering she's God's beloved. Because my failure to remember can lead me to fail to recognize. Jesus says, that can lead us to a bad place. Our failure to remember can lead us to fail to recognize what God is doing in others and through others. And to be a part of the family is to do the work of God. And I believe the second level is to be able to recognize the work of God. And that, and that for as bad as it hurts, when people have treated us that way, we need to remember it and not do it to each other. So, what, what do we do with that? I believe that we are encountering Jesus every single day. But we, but can we recognize him in the midst of all of the noise and the distractions and in the midst of all the busyness happening here and all of the, and all of the trouble happening here? Do we know him when we see him? Let's pray. Gracious God, we're thankful. Thankful that we have the shared experience of once being lost and now being found. Of, of, of once being blind and now we can see. Lord, we were those who were bound for hell because the wages of sin are death, but your Son, Jesus, has turned our lives around. For, for, for every person who believes in the work of Jesus and recognizes the work of Jesus and seeks to to do the work of Jesus, we are headed in a different direction.
And praise God for that. But lead us, lead us to the next level of seeing it in others too. Help us to remember all of this that we might recognize all of you. This is our prayer. We ask it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.